All right. Good morning, everybody. How's everyone doing? Sounds like a lively bunch this morning. This is great. Um, I want to ask you, as we open this morning, I want to shift gears a little bit and try something new. So I want to ask you to close your eyes, take a deep breath in, and out. Take a moment to slow your mind a little bit. Keep your eyes closed. And I want us to take a moment to remember, just to remember. Remember a time when you felt truly alive or where you were at peace. Like everything was as it should be. Everything in that moment was enjoyable. It was pleasing. A time where you can remember the sounds that were around you, the smells that you could smell, the feeling of your heart simply being warmed by taking delight in the simple things. Remember who was around you or if you were alone. Remember what was most important to you back then. Here, you can open your eyes. Memory is a powerful thing, isn't it? Did anybody, did that bring you back to a point in your past, anybody? Did something immediately come to mind? Maybe not immediately, all right. Memory is a powerful thing, it's really cool. For me, I don't know about you, fall is my favorite season, and so I'm really glad that we're kind of inching there, that the, the weather's getting a little bit cooler. A lot of my memories that, that really take me back have to do with the season of fall, and, and things about fall will bring my mind back to those instances. So for me, it's like once the leaf starts changing, the, the air gets a little bit crisper in the morning. Pumpkin spice lattes, anybody? Anybody? I'm not ashamed to admit it. I love me a good PSL. So pumpkin spice lattes, flannels, football, you know, everything that's fall for me just, it feels good. It, it brings me back to some of my favorite memories. But I wanted to, to take us through that exercise because the human ability to remember not just information, but sights, smells, sounds, feelings, emotions, it's pretty incredible. If you really think about it, our ability to simply remember and to go back is unbelievable. I, I believe that memory is one of the greatest gifts that God has given us. And because of that, I also believe that memory is deeply tied to our spirituality. And the cool thing is, our passage this morning, we're continuing through the series of 2 Peter, our passage this morning you can see that Peter understands this. He's writing this letter. He understands the power of memory. So our passage today is 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 12 through 21. So as we read this, I want to invite you to stand, if you're able, for the reading of God's word. So Peter writes this. He says, So I will always remind you of these things, even though... You know them and are firmly established in the truth that you now have. I think it is right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body, because I know that I will soon put it aside, as our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. And I will make every effort to see that after my departure, you will always be able to remember these things. For we did not follow cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. He received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory, saying, This is my Son, with whom I love. With him I am well pleased. 
we ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on that sacred mountain. We also have the prophetic message as something completely reliable, and you will do well to pay attention to it as to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will. But prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. That's the word of the Lord for us today. You can have a seat. Uh, so there's a lot here. This is a, <laughs> this is a good chunk of scripture. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, if you guys wanted to sit here for a couple hours, we could get through all of it. But uh, I don't think you'd give me that time. So... Uh, I just want to point this out, something that we've, we, we haven't been super regular with, but something we want to try to work on as a staff is putting out midweek videos. So I'm going to address some things, some of the deeper inner workings of this passage coming this week on a video. Like uh, We'll throw it on YouTube and social media and stuff, so, so be on the lookout for that. If I, if I don't get to something or, or if you have a question about this passage, there's a good chance I'll try to answer that this week. But all that to say, I want to jump into to what we can here. Peter starts out this section... This section of this passage, he starts it out by emphasizing that he's going to continue to remind his audience over and over and over again, even though, even though they already know these things. And so if you remember, 2 Peter is a letter, like a lot of the New Testament documents, it's a letter. Peter wrote a letter to real people in a real set of circumstances. So when he's saying, I want to remind you of these things, you just got to look look earlier. So um, I want to remind you something that Brian went through and took us through last week is basically Peter was giving a list of things for us to add to our faith, not to replace our faith or not to, to earn something from God, but these are because we are saved, because we know the truth of the gospel, these are the things we should pursue to add in our life. So the list was goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, mutual affection, and love. And Paul just lists this, this list, or not Paul, Peter, just throws this list out there as things that we should strive for, that we should look for and add to our lives as we seek to follow Jesus. So what he's doing is he's reminding them of what does it actually look like to live out your faith? What does this faith thing actually look like? Especially when you look at someone and say, you know, Jesus accomplished everything on the cross. He died for you so he could forgive your sins and all you have to do is receive it. Everything's a free gift. It's done. He's done it all. Well, the ne next natural question, I think, would be, well, cool. Like, if it's all mine, then what else do I need to do? So he's reminding them, it's because that this is true that your life should be transformed, because, that it should be different. So the funny thing about this passage, though, is that Peter gets right into it and says, look, I already know that you know these things. You know these things, and you are firmly established in them. But I'm still going to remind you. I'm still gonna press this into your mind over and over again, every chance I get. Why? I think Peter also understands the reality of what it means to be human is that we forget. We forget all the time. We need reminders all the time. We need to be reminded of the truth over and over and over again. Fun way to, for me to think about it is that we never graduate from the basics of the gospel right? It's not like high school. It's not like you get through high school and you graduate and like, sweet, I never have to touch algebra again. It's not like that. We never graduate from the basics of the gospel. 
when we think that we have, when we think that we're done with it and we get to move on to deeper, quote-unquote, spiritual things, it's often when we forget the basics. So Peter knows the power and the necessity of memory. So my first point for you this morning is this, is memory moves knowledge from our heads to our hearts. It's one of the key functions of memory. It helps bring knowledge from our heads to our hearts. And you you may have heard me say this before, but there's a difference between heart knowledge and head knowledge. So when we tend to think about the word knowledge, I don't know about you, but we, we tend to think about facts. We tend to think about, you know, things, information that we can use to pass a quiz, or like we understand a certain amount of concepts. I know about that. That's what we think about knowledge, but but heart knowledge is different. Heart knowledge is when, when truths that we believe in and trust in sink into our hearts and then they become a part of the way that we live. You, you know, there's a difference. We all know that Jesus said we, we're supposed to love our neighbors. We all know that. We all know that up here. But there's a difference in knowing that Jesus said that and actually loving our neighbor every single day of our lives. That truth needs to become a part of us. It needs to become a part of the way we live. That's heart knowledge. And memory helps make that transition. So I'm going to be fancy here again. I did this for the first time a few weeks ago. I'm going to uh, throw my screen or my iPad up on the screen here. Um, Here we go. Okay. So everybody see this? Sweet. So we've got head knowledge. I'm going to draw a head. Looks like a good head, no eyes. And then we have heart knowledge. So the transition that Paul or Peter wants to make, I'm gonna make this mistake all morning, I'm sorry. Peter is wanting to make is for head knowledge to become heart knowledge. And I wanna use an illustration for you. Any computer nerds in the room? Any? A few? Grant, yes, great, great, okay. If you're not, please bear with me a little bit. I promise that this will be a helpful analogy. Who knows what a hard drive is? Even if you're not a nerd, you know what a hard drive is? Okay, great. So there's a fancy word for, for that style of memory in the computer world, and that's ROM. The other type of memory in computers is called RAM. So ROM stands for read-only memory. That's your hard drive. RAM stands for random access memory. So if you can think about it this way, ROM, when you're using a computer, it's kind of like your filing cabinet. This app helps, helps me cheat a little bit with my uh, drawing skills. Okay, think about it as your filing cabinet, right? You can put something in a filing cabinet and you have it, you have access to it, but you never have to look at it again, right? So same thing with, with a hard drive. You could put a file on your hard drive and never even know it's there, but if you need it, you could probably hunt it down and find it. You can read it when you need to. So that's ROM. You can have a ton of storage, computers, you know, Nowadays, they tend to start with like 256 gigabytes of space. Some will go up to several terabytes. Big, big, big numbers. RAM, on the other hand, random access memory, that's the type of memory on your computer that helps you run programs live. So you could have, you can imagine that this is your computer screen. You could have, you know, your web browser open. You could have Spotify or Apple Music open. You could have a Word doc open or several. You could have... I don't know what other programs there are. Those are the big ones, I think. Um, Or if you're like me, you might have like 100 tabs open on your web browser and just always think you're gonna get to them someday, right? 
So RAM, random access memory, that's the type of memory that helps you run all of those things at once. They need to be accessed at any point. They need to be there ready. And so that storage is a lot more precious. A lot of computers will start with about eight gigabytes, or you can go my route and like run with 32 or 64. But RAM, that's the memory that you need to, to run programs live in the moment. So if you want to think about it that way, head knowledge is if you have a quiz and you see a question, it might prompt you to go back into the filing cabinet, like, oh, I've learned that before. I know that. Let me think about it. Oh, I know the, I know the right answer. You can pull it, pull it out when it's applicable. But RAM, it, it always needs to be there. So if you want to think about it this way, RAM is, for us, is that's the memory that's in the forefront of our minds all the time, every single day. It changes the way that we live. And so for Peter here, he's wanting us to move certain truths, key truths, to RAM memory. And there's only so much space there. So specifically for us, I think about it, I mean, we, we live in the, the day and age of information. <laughs> we have access to whatever the heck we want whenever we want it, essentially, whether it's information or entertainment or voices or podcasts or whatever it is. And sometimes we really struggle to sit with silence. We often fill and max out our RAM pretty quickly. That's precious space. And we're gonna get into what that looks like for us. So we can, we can take this off and head back to the slides here. But I wanna give you a real life example of this. So one day, uh, I was driving our boys to, to daycare. And, you know, good dad moment. I just, it, the thought popped to my mind. And I was like, you know what? We should really pray for our day. You know, we're really good at doing the stereotypical Christian thing of praying at meals or bedtime, and I was like, we should pray for our day. So I turned back to Teddy, and I was like, hey, Teddy, we should pray for our day. Do you want to do that with me? He's like, yeah. So I pray, and then he prays, and he, he, he repeats the same thing over and over again. Um, but it was great. I was like, oh, awesome. That's a good dad moment. The next day, we're, we're driving along, and I think about it again. I say, hey, Teddy, do you want to pray for our day again? And very quickly, he's like, no, no. I was like, what, what, why? And I was so confused. And he just kept yelling no. And I was like, well, why not? And then he says, well, we're not on the bridge. I was like, what, what bridge are you talking about? And it made me realize that day, once we got there, I was like, oh, there's a bridge on our route. And the very first day that we prayed for our day, we were on the bridge. And for whatever reason, that physical location became a point of memory for Teddy. And he tied it with praying for his day. And, you know, I was sitting there like, okay, Teddy, we, we can pray wherever. I was trying to explain this. Like, you can pray to God anytime, anywhere. It's okay. I'm trying to push this. And he's like, no, I want to pray on the bridge. I'm like, okay. Okay, because we're praying on the bridge. But the beauty of this is that now, even when I forget, we'll take the same route. And even if I forget, we'll hit the bridge and Teddy will just start praying for his day. Now that, it's that point of memory. And the cool thing is, is we must have driven over that bridge hundreds of times before. It didn't carry any significance. It was just a point on our route. And now it has some significance for Teddy. It's baked into his memory, and it helps move prayer from his ROM to his RAM. It helps move it into the forefront of his mind so that he thinks to pray for his day. That's the power of memory. It's sometimes it needs to be baked into us over and over and over and over again so that somehow, in some way, our memory is so tied with it, there might be a key or a trigger, or maybe it's just always on our mind, but this is the truth that we're thinking about 
regularly. And that's what I believe Peter's getting at. He says, I'm going to remind you over and over and over again until it becomes so deeply ingrained in you that it will make its way from your head to your heart. It's that important. I'm going to remind you until it becomes unforgettable. But then if we look through this, this passage some more, Peter shifts to the why. He says, for, if you ever see a for or like a therefore, always ask why it's therefore, what it's therefore. So he shifts and he says, for we did not follow cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power. So there's a couple things going on here. The reason he's reminding them is that Jesus is coming back. Jesus is actually coming back one day. That's the reason. And then he, he defends it. He's like, we, we weren't making this up. We were eyewitnesses to Jesus. He is coming back. That's the reason. He's gonna, I'm gonna remind you this over and over and over and over again because Jesus is coming back. And I think this is pretty fitting because I don't know about you, but I don't think about that every day. I don't think about Jesus' second coming every day of my life. I think that's an area that we need to be reminded of more as well. We're not gonna get into the nitty-gritty of like what that actually looks like today. Uh, the rest of this letter in 2 Peter talks a lot about Jesus' second coming, so we'll, we'll get there eventually. But, but for today, in this passage, the point is Peter is saying, it's gonna happen. Jesus will come back, and there are good reasons to believe that. We can trust that. So I don't know about you, but this also raises a question for me of, of okay, well, why is Peter emphasizing that point? I mean, like, aren't there a lot of other great Christian truths and beliefs that he could be talking about? Like the gospel, you know, the basics of the faith, or the cross and the resurrection, or, you know, I don't know what else, Jesus' teachings. But no, Peter emphasizes Jesus is coming back someday, the second coming. And again, I want to point out that this is a letter written to real people in real set of circumstances. So we're going to find this out later in the, in, in the letter as well, but I'm going to give, give it away to you a little bit now. There are false teachers that, that Peter is dealing with. That's all, all over the New Testament. Like, it seems almost like every letter the author has to address, okay, like, there's some people over here talking about this that's wrong, but please don't pay attention to them. He's dealing with false teachers, and you get the sense, based on the rest of the letter, but also these first few passages, that they are teaching that Jesus is not coming back again. We see clues of that later in the letter, but specifically, you see Peter answers like, we didn't come up, we didn't follow cleverly devised stories. We didn't just make this up. This isn't creative writing. Like, we didn't make this up. We were eyewitnesses. It gives you the sense that these false teachers are probably saying, those apostles don't know what they're talking about. Like, they probably just made that up because they want you to live a certain way. They probably just made that up because they want you to follow all of their rules. So Peter is answering that directly. And what we also see is, as Brian covered last week, Peter spent a lot of time talking about godly living, that list of things that we should be looking to add to our faith. One really common thread of all the false teachers in the New Testament is that a lot of them were not living good lives. They kind of held this, this idea of, well, Christ set us free, so we can do whatever the heck we want. And the apostles 
regularly pump the brakes. It's like, hold on, no, 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 hold on, hold on. That's not how this works. You don't get to do whatever you want. There's still consequences to sin. So more likely what is, what's happening here is, is Peter is answering very, very specific challenges from these false teachers. He's basically saying, look, Jesus is coming back. I know they're saying that he's not, but he will come back someday and that your living matters. You actually, you actually have to put this into practice and live godly lives and follow Jesus. Those two things matter. And so for Peter, he comes back to this and emphasizes, look, Jesus is coming back again. And how do we know that? The rest of our passage today, he says two things. Basically, eyewitness account and prophecy. And if you're writing notes, this isn't on the screen, so just um, remember these two. His two reasons are eyewitness account and prophecy. So the first thing he says, I saw him. The first thing he says, like, we didn't make this up because I saw Jesus. Actually, he shifts to we because it's not just him. He says, we saw it for ourselves. So, so coming in verse 16 and on, it says, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. He received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory. Peter uses some interesting language. Um, from the majestic glory. I did some more research. That's just another uh, synonym for God, which is kind of cool. Um, it could be used as a name for God, the Father. So this voice came from the majestic glory saying, this Jesus, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on that sacred mountain. So he's talking about a fancy word. We call it the transfiguration. If you ever want to know about it, um, check it out. It's in Matthew 17, Mark 9, and Luke 9. It shows up in three of the four Gospels. It's this event where Jesus takes his three, inner, uh, the three people in his inner circle, so Peter, James, and John. He takes these three up to this sacred mountain, and basically, he, we don't really know exactly what, it, what happened, but Jesus was enveloped in light, and it was clear that, like, okay, God is doing something here with Jesus. He, his form becomes transfigured, and it's very clear, okay, this guy's special, at the very least, at a minimum. And then this voice from heaven, God the Father says, this is my son. That must have been amazing. Can you imagine that, being a part of that? Must have been unreal. Like, what in the world is going on? Peter's looking at this, he's like, we didn't make this up. We were there and we saw it. We're eyewitnesses. We know who Jesus is. And if Jesus said he's coming back, which he did, then we're eyewitnesses to who, like we know he is who he said he is. It's gonna happen. We're gonna trust it. And again, you may have heard me say this before too, but the beauty of the Christian faith is it's based in history. It's based on a person that actually lived on this planet. It's a historical event. Theologians will call it the Christ event, his life, death, and resurrection. Like the Christian faith isn't this weird ethereal philosophical view of the world. Obviously, philosophy is a part of it, but it's based on a person, a real historical event. And it has implications on our living. So in other words, um, Peter 
Actually, I'm getting mixed up in my notes here. Sorry about that. Second thing, prophecy. That's the second thing he says. Second reason why we can trust that he is coming back is prophecy. He says in verse 19, we also have the prophetic message, which is his way in short of basically writing, saying the Old Testament. We have the Old Testament, which is filled with individual prophecies, hundreds of prophecies that line up with Jesus' life. It's unbelievable. So we have the prophetic message, and it is something to be completely reliable, right? He's talking to believers and saying, look, Jesus came to fulfill the Old Testament, right? This points to him. This is reliable, and you will do well to pay attention to it. As to a light shining in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. That's some of the stuff I'm going to get into in my midweek video, some interesting language here. Um, But he says, above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own understanding of things. The prophets in the Old Testament just, they didn't look around the world and say, I think this is what God thinks. They didn't do that. It says, for for prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, even though they were human, they spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So Peter's just making his case. He's like, look, we saw Jesus for who he was. He said he's coming back. The entire Old Testament is filled with prophecy that points to Jesus, and it's reliable. And those prophets didn't make it up either. You can trust that Jesus will come back. And for, for, this is an interesting thing for us today, because he's writing to people that lived in the first century. We live in the 21st century. It's a lot of time that has passed. How many of you have thought, I, I mean... I wrestle with this myself because it's been almost 2,000 years since Jesus, uh, since he was crucified and since he rose again from the dead. Almost 2,000 years. And if he has not come back yet, it's really easy to fall into the mindset of like, okay, well, yeah, maybe sure he'll come again someday, but most likely it's not going to come in my lifetime. Most likely, right? Statistically, we're probably right in saying that. But we can easily fall into this mindset, especially nowadays, okay, well, eh, you know, Jesus probably isn't coming back. Or if he, if he does, it's not going to be soon. We lack the sense of urgency. So I think for us, this is a, a very, very interesting and key piece of information that we can let slip back into our filing cabinet. If I were to ask you, I mean, if, if you've been a, um, a Christian for any amount of time, you might know cognitively, oh yeah, Jesus, he's going to come back again someday. But does that affect the way that you live on a daily basis? Some of you may be yes, but I'd I'd gamble and say for most of us, no. But can you imagine what kind of a difference that would make in our lives if that was a core truth that we thought about every single day? Jesus could come back at any moment. It would give us a sense of urgency. We will... The other piece of that is that we're going to be held accountable for our actions. Yes, Jesus forgives completely and wholly, but we will also have to stand before him and give an account for the way that we lived our lives. We're still gonna have to do that. For most of us, I think what happens really though is that we, just tend, we tend to put things off. We say, ah, I'll have time to get to that. I'll have time to get to that. Whether that's, you know, I'd really like to develop a deeper prayer life. 
I don't have time right now. I'll get to that in like next year. <laughs> I'll get to that when, when X and Y happens in my life. You know, I, I got into a mindset of that with my kids. I was like, ah, well, you know, once my kids stop waking me up at 5.30 in the morning, then I'll start giving Jesus the first part of my day, <laughs> reading my Bible and praying in the morning. We can put things off. But Peter, later in this letter, 2 Peter 3.10, he says, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. The day of the Lord will come like a thief. I mean, there's a good, there's a good chance that Jesus will not come in our lifetime. That's fine. But what if he does? What if he were to come in the next five minutes? That would be pretty surprising, right? <laughs> like a thief, quick, sudden. We're not gonna expect it. Jesus didn't tell us when he was gonna come back, but he told us he was gonna come back. So for Peter, when he's talking to his audience here, he is emphasizing over and over and over again, like this has to be a part of your ram. This has to be a part of your heart knowledge. Because he can come back at any moment and if you procrastinate and if you put off things that really matter, you will regret it. You're gonna have to give an answer for it. And the false teachers are sitting here thinking, there's no way Jesus is coming back. He hasn't come back yet. Those apostles made it up. Go live your life however you want. Jesus sets you free. Have fun. Eat, drink, and be merry. Like, that's what they were saying. Peter's trying to pump the brakes to say, no, the way you live matters. You still have a mission. You still need to apply your faith and follow Jesus. And for us, think about it this way. Uh, think about a weather forecast. How many of you check the, the weather often, every day? I check it every day, right? Especially in Colorado. Um, I think it was Tammy. Tammy, did you, po you posted something on social media. I loved that. It's like, <laughs> prepare for, I forgot, spring in the morning, summer in the day, fall, in the evening and then winter at night or something like that in Colorado. It's very true. Um, if you think about a weather forecast, go with me here hypothetically for a moment. Imagine if we were told that there was a historic snowstorm coming up next week. But because it's fall and because it's such an unusual time for a snowstorm to come, we don't know exactly when. Like, it's going to come next week, but we don't know exactly when. And we're like, oh, okay, we got to prepare for this. And maybe we procrastinate. Monday comes, you're not ready, but it doesn't come. And you're like, oh, cool, I'm safe, sweet. You procrastinate a little bit more. Tuesday comes, the snowstorm doesn't come. You're like, oh, cool, I'm safe again. Wednesday comes and you're like, you know what? I wonder if they made that whole thing up. There's not a snowstorm coming. You know, I don't know, I'll, I'll still put this off. Thursday comes, still doesn't happen. Friday comes, still doesn't happen. And you're starting to look around at everybody who is preparing and you're like, you guys are wasting your time. There's no snow, snow, there's no snowstorm coming. But then Saturday hits and the snowstorm hits and you did not prepare. You're out of food, you have no toilet paper, right? We know that well with COVID. You have no toilet paper, your, all of your pipes freeze and break, you didn't blow out your sprinkler lines, you know, I don't know, fill in the blank, whatever that is, your car's buried under, under 20 feet of snow and you can't go anywhere. Like if, if you are not prepared for something that you know is coming, there's gonna be some problems. And I believe the same has to 
enter into our mindset when it comes to Jesus coming back. It could come at any moment. And that has implications for us. Jesus is coming back. And what I don't mean by this is we don't need to go build a bunker deep in the earth for Armageddon or something. That's not what I mean by preparing for this. But Peter said it earlier in his message that Brian covered last week. He says, work toward a godly life. That's how you prepare. Work toward a godly life. Add to your faith the characteristics, the habits, and the moral living that Jesus has called you to do. And don't procrastinate anymore. And we need reminder after reminder after reminder after reminder to get there. I think for, for us, a lot of what this boils down to is something that I like to call formation. Uh, I don't know if you've heard this word. It's not terribly common. But what we really need as human beings is formation, not information. And what I mean by this is we have tons of information. We have access to all the information we could possibly dream of. But that's not what we need. We need to be formed. We need formation. That comes with consistent reminders. That comes with changing habits. That comes with daily disciplines that puts you in a position for Jesus to form you and to shape you. And that's a deep part of why memory is so important. Peter mentions this later in his letter as well. In, in chapter 3, verse 17, Peter says, Therefore, dear friends, since you have been forewarned, be on your guard, so that you may not be carried away by the error of the lawless and fall from your secure position. He was just telling these same people, like, you know all of these things and you're firmly established in them. Good job. I'm going to keep reminding you. And then he says, because you need to be on your guard, you could fall. You can slip away. It's not about knowing the right things. It's about living the right things. The reality is that we are deeply influenced by the voices, the culture, and the experiences and the stories that we're surrounded with. All the time. We are constantly being formed. We are constantly being shaped. In America, we like to believe that we are independent thinkers. That is not true. <laughs> we never think totally and purely for ourselves. We don't. Because our opinions, our thoughts, our lifestyles, everything is shaped by what's around us, by our friends, by our family, by the echo chamber we might find ourselves in in the news, <laughs> by TV and movies and music. Culture constantly influences us. That's why there's such a thing called culture shock. If you go to a completely different culture, you kind of don't know how to live and function and move because you haven't been shaped by that culture. You've been shaped by yours. One of my favorite analogies for this is, uh, is this fishbowl. If you can imagine a fishbowl, right? Imagine you're a little goldfish in, in a little bowl, right? You're swimming around. You see the world through the lens of your fishbowl and the water that you're swimming in. And if you're a fish, what else is in that water? Anybody? Literally, your crap. You're swimming around in your own crap. And you see the rest of the world through the lens of your crap. <laughs> Literally. 
That's a great, a great analogy for sin, honestly. <laughs> and then what happens is, honest, often what happens is we have someone else swimming around in their own crap saying, you know what, I've got life figured out. You need to see life through the lens of my crap. Because I'm right. <laughs> it doesn't work. And that's what the false teachers are doing. They've got a really, really dirty fishbowl, and they're like, okay, this is the truth. The reality is that we all have imperfections in the way that we see the world, in our thinking, in our living. We all have imperfections, and what we need is for someone to come by and clean our fishbowl. That's Jesus. We need someone to come clean it. We don't need to be influenced by other fishbowls necessarily. What we need is someone to come cleanse us and be shaped by that, to be formed by the one who is truly and unequivocally right. Jesus is the truth. His word is the truth. We need to be shaped by this. And there are plenty of things we may still disagree on, but as long as we're being shaped and formed and molded by God's word and by Jesus, then we are gonna continually to, we're gonna continue to live more and more godly lives. We're gonna continue to bring light into the darkness in the world that we live in. We're gonna continue to be the hope that the world around us needs, that we can be made perfect, that we can be made holy, that we can be made right with God and live the lives that we were intended to live. Beautiful lives. We, you know, Jesus said himself, like, I came to give my disciples' life and life to the full. Jesus, Jesus isn't content with you just staying away from bad things. He's also wanting us to move more into godly living so that we can truly live and make a difference. We need to be reminded of this over and over and over. We need to put ourselves in positions to be reminded. That's why, it may sound cliche, but that's why you hear people say it all the time, read your Bible every day. Pray, make habits, develop spiritual disciplines. These are the things that put you in a position to be formed by Jesus. And there's a lot of ways to do that. But I wanna encourage you this morning to not, to not procrastinate. You know, God may be bringing something to the forefront of your mind that you need to deal with. Don't procrastinate on that. Walk in obedience. For some of you, it might be dealing with a particular sin. Something that has had a, a hold on your life for so long and maybe you've tried or maybe you've tried to deal with it on your own or maybe you've put it off and tried to justify it. Maybe you just need to look at it and say, I need to deal with this and I need help. I'm gonna ask for help. Don't, don't procrastinate, don't put that off. For some of you, you might need to forgive. Forgiveness is one of the things that we put off the longest because we like to you know, hold on to our grudge. We like to feel right. If you're, if you're holding any sort of anger or bitterness to someone, figure out how to forgive them. Go to them, say, I forgive you, or ask for help. For some of you, it's developing a deeper prayer life. Maybe you've felt that nudge before of like, you know, I really should pray more. Well, then do it. Change your habits. Surround yourself with the people that are gonna keep you accountable, that are gonna push you toward that end. Show up for Sunday morning prayer and actually pray. Actually open your mouth and say whatever is there. You know, Jesus doesn't expect you to be able to pray perfect, eloquent prayers. He just wants to hear your voice. 
could be coming with studying God's word more. Maybe you've been meaning to read more in the Bible. Well, stop procrastinating. Stop procrastinating. You know, even, even stuff like giving, I don't know. Uh, we haven't really mentioned giving very much, very frequently, um, very recently. God's been really generous to this church. I, I gotta tell you that. Um, he's been really faithful to us and you all have been amazing with your faithfulness there. But I just wanna call that out. You know, sometimes we think, oh, you know, I'll start giving when I make X amount of money or I'll start giving, you know, when I'm out of college or when I pay off my debt or whenever do, you know. If you push that off, you're not developing a lifestyle of generosity of giving necessarily. Doesn't it, you know, whatever that means for you. I'm not trying to, to guilt you on that. I'm just trying to say like giving of your resources, which are really God's resources is a part of discipleship. That's a part of what, what it means to follow Jesus. So don't put that off. You know, recently we talked about sharing the gospel and telling other people about Jesus. That's another thing that we should stop trying to put off. Stop trying to justify. If Jesus has told you to do something, I wanna encourage you, just go do it. If there's something that is on your mind right now or in your heart that, you're, that, that, that he is bringing to your mind, I wanna challenge you today to go do it because Jesus is coming back someday. You may not have all of that extra time that you think you have. If you have an, a, if you have an estranged relationship, go figure out to, how you can do everything you can to bring reconciliation there. Don't wait. But above all else, I just wanna remind you again, reminder, 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 based on what we read last week and the week before, all of this comes on the foundation of the gospel. Jesus accomplished your salvation wholly and completely on the cross, it's done. There's nothing you need to earn from him. There's nothing you need to prove to him. But the, the beauty of that is that it's, it's after we accept his grace that we are invited into a deeper, more fulfilling life with him. And that takes real steps. So please take a step, move in that direction. If you need help, there are tons of people in this room that are willing and able to help and walk with you. Life groups are starting up. That's an incredible way to start moving into what does this look like to live my faith out in community? Come talk to me, come talk to anybody on staff, but, but take a step and just see what God will do. Because it's when you walk in obedience, in greater obedience, that's where Jesus truly shows up and shows you how good he really can be. So let's pray and then we'll continue in worship. Jesus, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for your word. Uh, thank you for the consistent and constant reminders. Uh, I pray that you would help us to truly be formed and shaped by your word, by you. Help us to see in the ways that, that we, we have given in and, and have allowed ourselves to be shaped and formed by the culture around us in ways that, that have contradicted with what you've told us to. But give us the courage and the boldness to take a step in the right direction, to, to walk in, in deeper obedience, to take a step to, to put some of these things in practice and to ask for help when we need it.
We thank you, Jesus. We thank you for your love for us. We thank you that you have told us that you wanna give us life to the full. And above all else, Lord, we worship you as the Lord and Savior over all. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Let's stand and sing.